Since the beginning of recorded time, mankind has been fascinated with that which he can't understand, the mysterious and unknown, and has sought to provide answers for its existence. Through the mystery language of the Theosophical Society, the ancient wisdom of the early Christian cults, the widely misunderstood study of cryptozoological beings, or by revealing the true intentions of our government's elites, human beings have looked to discover the truth about the hidden inner workings of their reality. Having discovered these seven secrets, we decided to create a podcast to share these truths with the public. Whether it's shadow people, demons, and a secret intergalactic government, or angels, prophets, and a new great awakening, we've got you covered. Welcome to the Seven Secrets Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Seven Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Palmer, otherwise known as Shaman. Coming at you again, we've got some really interesting topics to go over today. Uh, It's February 10th, 2021. We'll be talking about Ascension, uh, the New Age Movement, uh, Ascended Masters, the Zeitgeist, and all sorts of other fun topics that are prepped for you today. Before we get into all that, though... I just wanted to go over our news section of the episode. Uh, The audience will know that I have been doing this at the beginning of all of our episodes, going into a little bit of the happenings uh, that are going on in the paranormal world and the esoteric world around us. Um, The first couple things I wanted to get into here is, uh, first, that, of course, Mercury has been going through its retrograde motion since January 30th and will continue to be going through a retrograde motion through February 20th. And um, during this period, Mercury will be retro uh, will be moving in retrograde through Aquarius. Uh, you will unfortunately notice that this will ha- may have an impact on um, your social relationships. It might have an impact, uh, and in some ways, perhaps even a negative relationship on your um, romantic. Uh, relationships, your friendships, uh, or your relationships with others, as well as your um, ideas concerning your dreams and your hopes, uh, or other people's ideas concerning your hopes and your dreams. These might be, uh, these might appear to be negatively impacted during this time of retrograde. Uh, We all need to try to Um, remain open and keep a positive attitude and just go with the flow as much as possible until February 20th when all of this begins to calm down. Something else that I uh, wanted to look into here is uh, the fact that we have a new moon going on on February 11th. Uh, That is a new moon in Aquarius um, as well here. And we will notice that this is a particularly interesting conjunction of planets in Aquarius. We talked about how Mercury is passing through Aquarius at the moment. So is Venus, Jupiter, 
and Saturn. Now, um, <clears throat> Venus and Jupiter, like Mercury, have a lot to do with communication and our relationships with other people. The fact that this new moon is occurring at this point in time indicates that there are going to be a lot of new beginnings and changes occurring with our relationships, um, and we just need to be prepared for this. And to keep in mind also that whatever changes do occur uh, surrounding this new moon, they are changes that might continue um, to progress uh, through the coming month or couple of months. So we need to be prepared for whatever changes might be happening in our social life or concerning our hopes and our dreams at this time. Um, there is a third piece of news I just wanted to share with the audience today, and that's just that a new video has been uploaded uh, to YouTube from uh, Latest UFO Sightings. That is a website that's also a YouTube channel. And Latest UFO Sightings... Uh, have provided a YouTube video that uh, was originally captured on Twitter by a musician. Uh, this video is from a plane and is capturing a flying saucer moving through the air. The craft uh, quickly moves in and out of the field of vision, almost um, so quickly that you cannot see it moving, but if you look very closely, you can in fact see how swift it is. The woman in the background actually says that it's quote-unquote like teleporting uh and we have talked about before in situations concerning aliens uh how quickly the craft can move and how this almost appears to be a sort of vanishing or teleportation because it is just so fast and this video does look um pretty authentic some people are calling it the best ufo video on twitter uh, i don't know about that but you can definitely check out this video i will provide the link in the podcast description so the topic for today is going to be ascension the zeitgeist the ascended masters angels and all things related to the new age movement i felt like this is a area in our modern society where there is like a lot of topics we've discussed in this series a lot of misunderstanding um, I think diving into what the New Age movement exactly is on this episode and a few of their beliefs, a few of their core beliefs of the movement, and uh, a few of the details surrounding those beliefs that vary depending on person and culture uh, could be really helpful for us. So I just want to start by looking at what is the New Age movement, because everything we're going to talk about today is going to kind of stem from that movement and that community. Um, the New Age community is a very complex and diverse community that's incorporated a lot of earlier belief systems into its uh, repertoire. In, therefore, defining the New Age community or the New Age movement is somewhat difficult. Um, a lot of the followers of the New Age movement, a lot of the people who believe in the information in the New Age movement, are um, very different. There is only a few uh, universals that seem to be true among this community, and still the community exists, and I think this is somewhat beautiful, and we'll get into this more later on as well. The New Age movement really stems out of an earlier uh, quote-unquote religious movement called spiritualism. Uh, spiritualism was 
fairly popular from the late 1800s to the early 1900s, depending on who you ask. Uh, spiritualism involved authors like uh, Madame Blavatsky or uh, uh, Ledbetter, and these sorts of authors were very common during this period of time, uh, and they sort of laid the foundation or groundwork for what we would think of today as the New Age movement. Uh, spiritualism laid down a lot of these, uh, or rather interpreted a lot of this information from earlier ancient texts and sources. The New Age movement took these interpretations and uh, uh, expounded on them and gave them further detail. In some cases this was helpful and in some cases it was not, uh, and we'll get into this as well. To some extent, we also need to recognize that the term the New Age movement uh, is not exactly an appropriate term for what we are discussing. That is rather an exoteric term, a term that is uh, used by the masses in order to think of this community. Um, and sometimes it is helpful to use this word simply because more people can identify with what we are talking about in this way. However, I think a more appropriate term to represent what we are talking about would be the term Zeitgeist, which is a German philosophical term uh, from the 18th to 19th century. And um, I, you can go to Wikipedia and get all this information here, but essentially Zeitgeist is a German term which means spirit of the age. Wikipedia says it refers to an invisible agent or force dominating the characteristics of given epoch in world history. Well, you can see then that the zeitgeist is this invisible force which is interacting with us for a period of time, kind of for, let's say, an age, as in the New Age movement. Now you begin to see uh, what is actually being conveyed here, that there is an invisible force which needs to be understood for everybody in every age, and um, that's what is trying, that is what is trying to be interpreted by these philosophies. To begin to understand the zeitgeist, or the New Age movement, let's begin to look at some of the quote-unquote core beliefs of the community. Um, and these should be in no way understood as the be-all, end-all uh, belief of every person in the New Age community, because like I've said before, the belief system is very diverse. At the same time, there are certain foundations that seem to apply to, uh, generally, most of the people within that population, and seems to relate back to this idea of the zeitgeist as well. The first of these core beliefs would be uh, an understanding of the immaterial or spiritual world that is separate from our own physical reality. It seems that most practitioners or members of the New Age community uh, understand that there is some non-material world, non-physical reality that we do not quite understand or entirely live within, although we may partially live within this realm. One of the second core beliefs is in a holistic deity that is somewhat universal, if not entirely universal, and is within all of us and everything. This sort of universalism I've discussed in um, other episodes on this podcast, this universalism is not a new idea. In fact, it has been given to us uh, from the beginning of our religions that there is some universal force within everything, uh, and this would be also the belief of those within most of those within the New Age community. 
one of the third sort of core beliefs is that the planets uh, have significance and that their motions have significance. Uh, this isn't necessarily true for everybody in the New Age community, but you do see a lot of emphasis placed on astrology and properly understanding the movement of the planets uh, through specific constellations. And I would just also say that astrology has not just been an aspect of the New Age movement, but has been, in fact, of almost every major religious movement that we know of. Uh, in fact, the zodiac stemming out of a lot of our earliest religious ideas. And by understanding the way in which these planets move through the zodiac, uh, it would be the opinion of myself and many in these communities uh, that you begin to understand the supernatural aspect of time that is taking place within physical reality. Uh, you begin to understand what immaterial forces are playing on this celestial scale. Now we approach the fourth and maybe one of the most important core beliefs within the New Age community or concerning the zeitgeist, which is that there are um, several different, that there's a system of spirits and entities uh, and for maybe even forces that are that could be human or non-human uh, that are able to communicate and interact with humanity. Uh, sometimes these beings or spirits or forces are thought of as fairies, angels, ascended masters, or once again, it could be spiritual forces. It could be things like karma, dharma. It could be other forces. Uh, I think of the Urantia book. Uh, which has a lot of different forces associated with God, although it does also look to angels and other uh, non-human entities as well. When you be the reason that this belief is so important within the New Age community and concerning the zeitgeist is because this is how information is conveyed to those of the specific age or epoch. Uh, these ascended masters or these spirits or whatever they may be convey this, this new information usually, depending on what age, to humanity. As religion and spirituality grows on a grander scale, it evolves over time and new information is conveyed from these beings. And this is one of the basic premises that we are going to get into on the rest of this episode concerning the New Age community. Now I'd like to take a second to look at two particularly important individuals in the New Age community, and that would be Mark L. Prophet and Elizabeth Clare Prophet, uh, both of who asserted that they were uh, masters uh, in this doctrine, that they knew quite a bit of information on ascension and that they themselves were capable of ascension and that they have spoke with a, ver a variety of spirits and masters who conveyed information to them that they relayed to the public. Uh, they wrote several books, they were, um, they were married and they had several children uh, and sort of started this uh, following as well that can persist into the modern day. Um, <clears throat> now, there are certain things I like about the teachings of Mark and uh, Elizabeth Prophet, and there are certain things I don't like about their teachings as well, and I'm going to get into all of that. Um, one, a lot of the things I like are that Mark and Elizabeth really approach this information in a uh, very informative way. They include a lot of details. They seem to know a lot of stuff. They've done their research clearly. They uh, speak to us through the mystery language that I've often talked about. Um, 
And one uh, way I can illustrate this to you is what I talked about from episode number two on Genesis and uh, the Trinity and the sevening. Uh, once again, we see a lot of this symbolism coming back up into uh, the teachings here um, of the Ascended Masters. Uh, one key aspect of this is the, the seven rays of light or the seven flames. Uh, and what is meant by this is, like I discussed in episode two, the fact that uh, creation happens in a for, sort of sevening process based on the relationships of the three aspects of the Trinity. And uh, beings, that is human beings, according to the uh, Mark and Elizabeth Prophet, according to uh, myself as well, although maybe in a different way, human beings come into existence from seven, seven different rays of light metaphorically, not necessarily just metaphorically, but astrally, uh, maybe spiritually and mentally as well. So since human beings come from a specific ray of light, they these rays of light have associations with them. I talked in the second episode about how there are these seven master spirits associated with the um, seven days. This would also uh, apply here. There are various spirits uh, applicable for all of the seven different rays of light, according to the prophets. And uh, you, you can begin to understand more about yourself and this belief system as you look to discover how the rays have impacted your existence. Now, I want to read to you a section of one of their books uh, uh, titled The Masters and Their Retreats. And I just want to read to you, this is essentially an encyclopedia about various ascended masters and their homes on the etheric plane. Um, and there's all sorts of information in this book. I really actually like this book because there's a lot of information on various uh, people, saints, angels, uh, gods and goddesses and how they have ascended their lifetimes before ascending and like i've indicated before just generally a lot of information here um but i feel like before i read this i also need to get into what i exactly don't like about this sort of teaching and that is that a lot of the teaching here is too much of it is understood almost it is as if the authors have um conveyed information that is not true almost as if to elevate themselves at certain times and what i mean by this is if you look up the uh descriptions of the authors themselves mark prophet especially within this book you will see that they're they have claimed a lot of important lifetimes through reincarnation they have claimed that they have been a lot of um really uh incredible people and I'm not sure that I believe all this. Once again, it seems kind of like a system of elevating yourself. Not to say that they did not believe that this was in fact their spiritual journey, that the authors of this book did not believe that, but rather that maybe they did believe this, but I don't see that as necessarily being true. And a lot of this information I question myself, a lot of the symbolism uh, sometimes I question within this book as well. It doesn't all seem to correspond perfectly with a lot of the most ancient text. Um, and once again, seems to be indicating some sort of other agenda for the authors, but 
for the most part, there are a lot of great ideas that are conveyed here, a lot of great ideas that are interpreted here in a very simple way uh, that people can understand if they would just read the text. So I'm just going to read you um, a portion here from the Masters and their retreats. It is the portion on Alpha and Omega, the Father-Mother God. Alpha is the highest manifestation of God in the great central sun. His compliant is Omega, the personification of the God flame as mother. John the Beloved spoke of them in Revelation as the beginning and the ending. Together they focus the beginning and the ending of all cycles of life. They rule in the center of the hub in the city foursquare and preside directly over the twelve hierarchies of the sun. That would be the zodiac. I'm just putting that in there. To the evolutions of the system of worlds, Alpha and Omega represent the father-mother god in the heart of the great central sun on the first and seventh rays, respectively. These twin flames are the highest known individualization of the masculine and feminine polarity of the deity. Alpha is the personification of the god flame as father in the core of consciousness we call life. Alpha has said, as we have declared, within your hearts and your minds we will write our law. The law of God, the law of adoration, is reflected in the words, I am. For I, Alpha, am the one who, signi who signifies the source, the numeral one, and the word one. Omega, my beloved, represents the am, and is therefore called Omega. I did not read the entirety of that description because I want to leave some uh, for the audience as well that they can discover, but you can see here that the authors very clearly know what they're talking about. They, this is just one description out of many, many different spirits and ascended masters that you can find within this book. And once again, I think a lot of this information is true, whether it's literally true, metaphorically true, or true on an astral plane. There is a lot of information conveyed here that is true, but there is also a lot of information that is presented to us here as supposedly being literal, and I just do not think that is true. Um, so, and a lot of the exercises that are presented in this book, a lot of the mantras and we might say meditation techniques, I have not found to be uh, particularly evocative for my own practice, but to each their own. There are a lot of techniques presented here. I'm just not particularly fond of them. But if you are, great for you. There are so many presented in these books. Now at this point, you might be starting to wonder, what exactly is this process that's being described uh, by the prophets that is called ascension um, and refers back to these beings called ascended masters, implying that they are masters who have ascended? Well, I wanted to give you a couple of different definitions on exactly what ascension is uh, and then get into my own discussion of what I think ascension might be. Now, this whole process is uh, mired in a lot of esoterica. A lot of different authors and um, followers have their own ideas of exactly what ascension is and who has ascended. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we can lay down a couple of foundations for which um, the definition of ascension uh, can apply. And the first definition I want to read you is, in fact, from the glossary in the back of the Masters and their retreats by Mark and Elizabeth Prophet. Um, their definition of ascension is the ritual whereby the soul reunites with the spirit of the living God, the I am presence. The ascension is the culmination of the soul's God victorious sojourn in time and space. 
It is the process whereby the soul, having balanced her karma and fulfilled her divine plan, merges first with the Christ consciousness, and then with the living presence of the I am that I am. Once the ascension has taken place, the soul, the corruptible aspect of being, becomes the incorruptible one, a permanent atom in the body of God. That's the definition of ascension given to us by Mark and Elizabeth Prophet. I also wanted to propose another description of ascension, um, another definition of ascension that was written by Joshua David Stone in his uh, series of books called The Complete Ascension Manual. In the first book in this series, uh, Joshua David Stone describes ascension in this way. The sixth, the sixth initiation is the achievement of one's ascension, becoming an ascended master. In essence, this initiation occurs when the adept and the light of the monad merge on the physical plane. The adept's entire being, including the physical body and clothes, is turned into light. The physical body just disappears and is replaced by the light body. I will read on a little bit further to give you some more description of what ascension entails. According to Stone, Ascension is the attainment of the Christ. It is becoming a perfected Buddha. It is becoming a full-fledged spiritual master and realized being, not just a soul-realized being. The law of karma no longer has any hold over the ascended master. The adept has completely merged with the monadic plane of consciousness. You can see from these two definitions a couple of commonalities between the ascension process. Um, now, one of these commonalities is the um, is number one that you leave the physical body that there is some sort of act by which the physical body is removed. Um, although I'm not sure that I agree that it turns entirely to light, although that might be the case. What do I know? Um, and we also notice that there is some sort of process by which the initiate. Um, unifies with deity or unifies with the ultimate uh, force that is believed to exist according to the followers of the New Age community. That by, through ascension, one comes into unity with this holistic deity that I talked about in the beginning of this episode. Um, this is a very important distinction here because what is being referred to as ascension is also the process uh, that we can see take place in the Bible to Jesus Christ. And we can see that Jesus Christ is an individual who has ascended. Although I would think even Stone and the prophets would agree that Jesus Christ was a particularly um, important ascended master. It's not that everybody who ascends is as Jesus is necessarily, but rather that Jesus had ascended as several other people had ascended. Uh, but Jesus still has his own particular doctrine and place in the universal order that makes him particularly a particularly important ascended master. Now I want to get into a little bit what my own thoughts are on ascension and the ascension process. And um, they only differ slightly from those definitions and opinions that have already been suggested. But I believe ascension to be a, um, a very rare process that occurs 
to only particular humans uh, every hundreds of years or thousands of years or so, maybe in extremely rare cases there might be multiple individuals who ascend at a uh, specific time, um, maybe influenced by one another, and usually when one person ascends it causes a ripple effect uh, in their uh, close community in which other people can also begin to ascend or begin to understand this process. In fact, the ascension process is so dramatic and so altering that uh, most of our world religions have been based off of individuals who understood particular aspects of the divine and therefore ascended, uh, quote-unquote. Now, we know having already talked about this, one of the prime examples is Jesus Christ. Uh, you can see his group of 12 apostles as also being uh, his close circle of friends who began to understand the ascension process. You as the reader of the Bible can also begin to understand your true nature as a uh, ascended being that is one who can unify with God uh, through reading the Bible. You can begin to understand this. However, we can also look at the Buddha as a prime example of uh, an individual who has uh, ascended this reality and is and has had a religion or philosophy built up surrounding their ascension. Uh, there's so many other individuals who have written ancient and sacred texts for us through Upanishads come to mind. Um, uh, we have all sorts of uh, grimoires and occult doctrines and other texts such as the Dead Sea Scrolls that convey mystic knowledge of individuals who maybe might not have been ascended themselves but who were closely, closely related to people who taught about ascension. Um, and I want to take a second and we can look at a verse from the Bible here and I believe that this verse will give Christians and non-Christians some insight into how ascension is described in the Bible. Now, a lot of times ascension uh, is interpreted by contemporary Christianity as some sort of metaphorical union with the body of Christ, maybe through the ritual known as communion. Um, however, this is a much deeper uh, interpretation here than we are led to believe. Now, I'm just going to read to you starting uh, at chapter 4 in Ephesians verse 1. Chapter 4, Ephesians, from the English Standard Version of the Bible. For those who don't already know, I often reference the English Standard Version. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all in the, in the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, what is being spoken to here, uh, you can, number one, see that Ephesians is speaking directly to the universal deity that is so popular in the New Age movement that... Um, 
there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, etc., etc. These are all one thing, really, although we perceive differences in our religions and spirituality is all actually one thing, and that um, those who have ascended have given gifts to men that uh, and by men, that means the human race, uh, and that those ascended are trying to lead others on their same path using grace as a tool to help them achieve uh, the gifts that have been given to them by Christ, which is the ultimate ascension, uh, and ultimately to fill all things, as it is referenced here. There's plenty of other examples of ascension in the Bible, but I just wanted to give you uh, that one in, uh, verse there that I've interpreted to represent ascension. Um, and let me just point out here that obviously this then is an idea that Jesus Christ and probably many before him, Enoch and Melchizedek coming to mind, uh, this is a doctrine that they all preached and informed people about. Uh, people at this time were aware that ascension could happen, but only over a period of thousands of years as human beings have begun to evolve and less people have ascended and technology has advanced to the point where we don't even believe ascension to be possible, uh, it's only within this framework that ascension happens so rarely and that we do not perceive it existing. Uh, hopefully, there will be some sort of change. We will have another individual who is able to ascend soon that might awaken uh, humanity to our more divine nature. Now, it's important to remember that not everybody in the New Age um, community is going to know about or necessarily believe in everything that I have been sharing in this episode. Uh, like I introduced in the beginning, the belief system of the New Age community is very diverse. Uh, in fact, there might be some people who have never even heard of Mark and Elizabeth Prophet, who uh, read all sorts of New Age books on uh, Wicca or hauntings or fairies. Uh, you don't need to be into this um, ascension doctrine or the Ascended Master's teaching to be part of the New Age community, and a lot of people are not. Um, it is a complicated uh, issue that is still forming, uh, that people are still figuring out. Uh, the New Age community is by no means uh, completely defined yet, and it is still evolving over time. And although there seems to be some sort of hierarchy, uh, some sort of foundational hierarchy that is agreed upon within the community uh, in regards to the entities and forces that exist in the immaterial world, uh, this has definitely not been... Uh, laid down and codified as being permanent or unalterable. Uh, you know, every author has their own way of classifying divine beings and spirits according to this New Age doctrine. So we must begin to ask ourselves, <clears throat> what is the next step here? Now that uh, spiritualism has moved into the New Age movement, where are we moving from here? And I think that is a lot of speculation there. Um, you can't know for sure exactly where our spiritualist and religious communities are heading, but you can see that it appears as if religion and spirituality is moving toward a more universal uh, doctrine that is a more holistic uh, experience that involves everybody and includes um all of mankind and all human beings rather than just this um, look at a small section of people who seem to believe in one particular entity. Um, this opening up 
of our spirituality is ultimately very helpful for us, and we do need to consider, though, exactly what other aspects might be revealed to us as we become more open to our spirituality, what sort of data might be conveyed by these ascended masters and entities uh, from this other world, what sort of new uh, in what sort of new scriptures and word might we receive from people who will uh, ascend in this lifetime or sometime soon or who are close to ascending. Uh, they can also give us a wealth of information. And I also just want to say here at the end here that to some extent I have simplified some of these um, teachings and not presented as much information as I could have in order to keep uh, all of the information fairly simple and straightforward. Uh, I didn't want us to get lost in all of the literature here. But for those who are interested, there's actually a lot more uh, to these doctrines than what I've conveyed. In fact, there is not just, like I said earlier, seven rays of light uh, as suggested by Mark and Elizabeth Prophet and various others in the New Age community, but there's also five secret rays of light that are esoteric in nature, um, even more esoteric than the initial seven rays, equaling a total of 12 rays of light. Um, in this episode, I also have not touched upon the belief in the monad and exactly what the monad is. Uh, however, these topics I might approach in future episodes. Please look forward to that. And if you're interested in hearing any more about these topics, please shoot me a message or leave me a review. Maybe go to our Twitter uh, and leave a comment. Uh, do whatever you want to do. Just let us know uh, what sort of topics you might be interested in for future episodes. And that pretty much concludes our discussion of the New Age uh, community, ascension, the zeitgeist, and all of these sorts of phenomena and interest. However, I do, at the end of my episodes, a lot of times, the audience knows, I like to read stories, ideas, uh, things that have been submitted by the audience. And uh, today I have several stories from... Uh, a user named Donnie Boy, that's Donnie uh, Boy with multiple eyes on the end, at sh the Shattered Realities Discord. A uh, little bit of a plug there. Uh, D uh, Donnie and I, we got to talking a little bit uh, about some, uh, some, ish some things surrounding podcasting and exactly uh, what that experience is like. And he told me that he would uh, be more than happy to share some of his uh, stories here, and I'm so happy he did, and I'm just going to relay this to the audience here verbatim so that they can get some of this information. So I guess the first sighting slash encounter I had was what I was like four, maybe. That kind of age, and I was playing outside with my brother, and my mom was outside watching us, as moms do. Now I can only remember a little bit of this, but from what my mom says, she noticed we were pointing at the sky, and there was this object flying around. From what I remember, it wasn't going very fast, and if there was noise, I can't remember it. That's really all that one was. Not too much interesting going on there. According to Donnie Boy, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there personally. Um, the fact that uh, his mother recounts this experience and he remembers it to some degree, uh, and that these objects are flying around in the sky, that is very important. Uh, but let me continue. Donnie also has another experience here. The second encounter I had was when I was like nine. I still don't know the exact age, but for me, growing up, whenever I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would go wake up one of my parents, usually my mom. 
One night I woke up and walked into the den to wake up my mom. She sleeps on the sofa so my dad can take the bed because he needs to get up early in the morning. Now in the den, the room beside it is the kitchen, and we keep a light on in the kitchen every now and again to see better if we need to go in there, without turning on the actual lights. So because of the light, we can see inside the kitchen and a little bit of the den. And as I looked in the window that was above my mom's head, I saw my reflection, and the reflection of something behind me. It was the... It was this black figure like 10 feet behind me. It looked to be like 5 feet tall, so not extremely tall. I turned around thinking I woke my dad up, but there was nothing there. I tried to wake my mom up, but as I turned, it was still behind me. I assume I walked back to my room, but I can't remember going into my room. But I assume it's just because it wasn't important and I don't care enough to remember it. Hmm. Interesting. I... It's interesting that Donnie mentions that it was still behind him in this story, but he cannot remember how he gets back to his room. Uh, I also have had experiences with shadow people and the like, and this is a particularly interesting story to me. Um, I've also talked to people about shadow entities, and one thing I've often been told is that they are able to manipulate electricity, uh, that a lot of times lights will flicker when they are around. Uh, actually, Donnie gives us another account here that says, uh, a bit ago, two years maybe, I was watching stuff on BEK, uh, Black Eyed Kids, and I heard that they can give you signs or warnings, and watching the video, like half the electricity in my house went out. Uh, I find this interesting, once again, going back to the Shadow People uh, story that was given to us before. But, lots of really great stuff here. Thank you so much for submitting those stories, Donnie. Uh, I will present them here for the audience to see what maybe they think about some of this. Um, and if anybody wants to send in their own stories, experiences, ideas, theories, or just want to say something to everybody... Um, please feel free to send us a message. You can send us an email at the seven secrets podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the seven secrets podcast at gmail.com or hit us up at anchor at anchor.fm slash seven secrets. That's all spelled out. Those are all words. Uh, anchor.fm slash seven secrets and here you can record a uh, voice message in your own words of your own uh, account or you can find us on twitter by also going to our anchor page there's a link to our twitter there and you can send us a dm on twitter also if you're interested in that or just follow us to see the things that we're posting um I really hope everybody enjoyed the episode today. Uh, I'm glad I got to share all of this information with you, and I hope maybe it opens up your mind a little bit to exactly what's going on in the spiritual realm and what's going on in this immaterial world around us. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Had a really fun day, and uh, let's do it again.